Welcome to Equipus Church, Dunedin. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jordan Smith. For more information, check out equipuschurch.com. Awesome. Grab a seat. Grab a seat. I can promise you I won't be as cute as Israel was. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one, one day, maybe. One day, maybe. Um, brilliant. Brilliant. This is awesome. I've got a drink bottle because uh, I plan to speak for hours and hours. So I'll need to be rehydrated. Uh, and I've got a sweat towel, uh, which is... Probably for you, Pastor Will. Uh, if I've got hair, just I've just got hair still, so yeah, it's a good it's a good thing. Uh, anyway, it's lovely to be here, and uh, it's it's actually quite a unique thing, isn't it? Uh, having a guest speaker, uh, yeah, yeah. We don't we haven't had it this, the travel restrictions and all the sorts of things that are in place uh, around dealing with COVID uh, has has really thrown. Um, there's lots of different ways to think about it, but um, have you heard they're saying it's throwing a spanner in the works? Uh, and I think that's a hilarious one because uh, when you think about your life, have, do, ever, do things ever happen where a spanner gets thrown in the works of your life? I'm looking for nods or shakes of heads. You, you can disagree with me or you can agree with me. You can't sit there and just go, Right, so, so a show of hands, how many of you have ever had a thing happen that was a spanner in the works, right? I think the idea of a spanner in the works shows us something. The way we use the term all the time, we understand what it means. You can, yep, everyone, a bunch of you go, yep, I've had spanners land in workses, right? The, it, it reveals actually a, a way we think about life that's not very helpful, we think about our life like it works. Right? It's a false picture. Your life isn't a works. Now, for about 100 years, all of our thinking has been shaped and reshaped by what, by, which has resulted in this idea of the works. It's the industrial revolution makes us think about our life like it's mechanical. Right, And if you think about life like it's mechanical, I just want to reassure you, you'll be constantly frustrated, right? Because it's not mechanical. Your life is spiritual, relational, and dynamic, right? They aren't spanners being thrown in the works. They're interesting plot twists. So COVID-19 isn't a spanner that was thrown into a system that was working perfectly, right? What it is, is an interesting development, an opportunity for us to see a little bit deeper into the way reality actually works, right? For things to be, things to be disrupted so they can be reorganized and repositioned so that we can move forward in what God's called us to. The, the whole COVID-19 wasn't, the whole COVID-19 experience isn't designed by God so that we could all learn about viruses, right? It's not designed by God so that Christians could get way, way more um, engaged politically, right? It's actually all, what it, what it really is uncovering for us is breaking our paradigm where we thought life was a mechanical machine that we had figured out. One of the key lessons to learn from this is um, apocalypse is now, right? The world is constantly and always falling apart, 
A lot of people talk about the mark of the beast and uh, uh, lots of excitement about uh, Revelation. People digging out the book of Revelation again, eh? Anybody? Yeah, they're right. Yeah, in my corner of the internet, we've been doing that, right? Now, the reality is one of the key readings of Revelation that we most often miss because some of us were brought up in church uh, and we and people made a timeline of the book of Revelation. One of the things you can't do in the book of Revelation is a timeline, okay? Now, if you believe in the timeline, just suspend that for me for a minute and let me think, let's just think about it a different way. The book of Revelation is an expansion and an, uh, what John is, what happening for John is a revelation, you get that really, it's actually in the title. It's a revelation where he sees one layer deeper into how things really work. It's not a revelation of what's going to happen in the future. Even though it says this is a revelation of the way things will unfold at the end of all time, what that means is it's the revelation into how things are actually working, what's going on. And a key message is this. There is the beast and the whore and the dragon, right? We don't say that in church very often, do we, right? Only... Only in the book of Revelation, right? And there's actually, to be honest, there's lots of whores all through the Bible. There are, I don't know if you've noticed that, anyhow. But this, this one is this, this big abomination, right? This, so you've got the beast, which is this control and hyper-moralism, and everyone obey the rules. Anyone heard of that one? Right, you have to obey the rules. That's the beast, right? Uh, and then the beast, the whore rides on the beast, and the the. Should we find another word? Uh, the witch, right? We'll go with witch. Is this? You can do whatever you want, and everything is what you want it to be. If you, you know, the, all the boundaries are broken, and and there's no such thing as moral and moral. And so these things two ride together, and then the beast destroys the witch, right? And the dragon swallows up a third. It's extra. All of that's happening. And then the main focus of the book of Revelation is the city of God descending out of heaven, the bride of Christ, the church that's perfectly formed, filled with light, filled with precious jewels, revelation of the power, glory, and wonder of God, right? And the, the old-fashioned 1980s thing is, oh, this happens, then that happens, and then the seals, and the first seal, second seal, second, and then a thousand years, and then the whore, and then the beast, and right? That's not how really how ancients understood it. How they understood it, it's all those things are happening at once, right? So this is the weird thing. If you look at the culture at the moment, there's a massive push that everyone must obey the rules, the rules of speech on Twitter and Facebook, the rules of, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Whatever not just the COVID thing, just all the way, right? If anyone breaks whatever the rules are, they'll be destroyed publicly, right? At the same time, there's this massive push that there are no rules. Have you noticed that? There's no rules. Everyone can express them, but you better not break the rules that says there are no rules, right? This is the, the beast and the witch. The witch is riding the beast, right? That's what's happening there. But the whole, our focus is, hey, what's God doing? Right? So if you think about, if you wanted to bring the, the whole book of Revelation, if you think, man, it's too scary, I don't want to read it, just read the parable of the wheat and the tears. Where God's doing this great thing in the world, and the enemy comes in and does his thing. And, uh, and the servants of God say, the servants of the farmer, who is God in the picture, say, hey, should we go and pull out all the weeds? And the farmer says, no, you can't pull out all the bad things that are going on, because that will disrupt the good things that I'm doing. 
And here's the trick. What are we focused on as Christians? Are we focusing in on the wheat that God's growing? Are we, are we closer to Jesus now? Because this has been a great opportunity for us to focus our attention much closer in on Jesus, right? Like everything that happens, what we can sometimes get stuck in, is this good or is this bad? Like, is it good or bad that some people are online, some people are in the next room, some of us are in here? Is that good or bad? No? It's a great opportunity for us to focus in closer on Jesus. It's not good or bad. It's just a great opportunity for us to focus in on Jesus, to learn more from Him, to see more of what He's doing in the world. Amen? A scripture that I want us to read is, um, I'm going to speak this morning, and I've got a dramatic title for us. Okay. Lord of the watery depths, right? And it's based on a scripture. It's doing the words of a song in the background, just so you know. Don't sing, please don't sing. Lord of the water. Okay, let's read this. You've heard this one before, right? So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We've all read this, right? We read it every January the 1st. Right, because we all read the whole Bible every year, at least until it gets into Leviticus, right? So by March, we'll move back on to just reading one psalm a day. But we've all read this part, right? The earth was without shape and empty, right? So God creates the world, and what does He create? God creates a big mess. This is one of the things God likes to do. God likes to create things that are without shape and empty and dark. Oh, but I thought God was all light and love and niceness. No, God's all the things, right? He creates this big mess that's dark. Darkness is over the surface of the watery deep. But the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. See that picture? It's dark, it's empty, it's shapeless. But the Spirit of God's moving across the, the water, right? As Christians, we often think when the Spirit of God is moving, the evidence that the Spirit of God is moving is that everything is good. Everything is nice. People are well-dressed, right? The people on the door have brushed their teeth. All these things are the signs of the Holy Spirit moving, right? But that you're, only, you're missing a big part of who God is and how He works, when God works, He loves to work in amongst His space, right? He creates spaces and, and, and He moves in that space. And God says, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was a good thing, right? And that word good is not moral. It means it's, it's more useful. Hey, the light's, yeah, that's good. This is right. It's right that we've got some light. And God separated the light from the Darkness. Here's a question for you. When God created light, did He uncreate darkness? No, but He separated them. So they're not the same thing, but the darkness is still there, right? God called the light day, and the darkness He called night, right? There was evening and there was morning. This is the marking of the first day, right? Okay, another scripture from the New Testament, right? So uh, Jesus has fed the 5,000 and then the disciples are out on the lake, right? And uh, straight after feeding the 5,000, that's a great miracle worth reading and that's the context of this. Jesus makes the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. And then he got rid of the crowd, right? After he sent the crowds away, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. 
Meanwhile, the boat, which is already far from land, was taking a beating from the waves because the wind was against it. So where are the disciples? They're in the boat, on the lake, and there's wind. And the night, as the night was ending, so it's about three in the morning, Jesus comes to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost slash monster, right? They cried out with fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them. He said, have courage, it's I. Do not be afraid. Peter said, if it's you, order me to come out onto the water. So he said, come. Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind, he became afraid. And starting to sink, he cried out. Some translations say when he saw the wind and the waves, he sees the strong wind, he becomes afraid, he starts to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him, saying to him, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? When they came up, sorry, when they went up into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. The first point I think we need to think about when we think about the watery deep. I'm just, can you guys, can you can see all right? Yeah. When we think about the watery deep, one of the first things I think is important for us to keep remembering when there's a spanner thrown in the works or when there's been an interesting plot twist. You know, when the boss calls you into the office and then there's an interesting plot twist around the story of how you pay the mortgage just got an interesting twist. Right? When that happens, one of the things we need to recognize is God creates the darkness and He creates the light and He's not scared of the dark. Right? So Jesus is not scared of the dark. God's not scared of the dark. So, in fact, God creates dark things. He creates empty things. He creates messy things. It was a great miracle. You know when someone gives a testimony? It was a great miracle. God's working in my life. It's almost always a story where things get tidied up neatly. Right? We don't hardly ever have testimonies where, well, you know, God's done this great miracle. My life was going along in a well-ordered, predictable way, and then it suddenly got incredibly messy, dark, and scary. <laughs> Praise Jesus, right? But we're missing something when we forget that God does all those bits too. We're not in the mercy of Satan when bad things are happening. Read the book of Job. Or not. If you prefer to just, oh no, I just want my life to work nice, don't read the book of Job. If you, don't, if you just want to keep believing the life's just going to work nicely and everything will make perfect sense. In the book of Job, a house falls down and kills all of his kids. Right? Anyhow, moving on. God creates dark, empty, and formless spaces, right? Right? And this, this gives me a great opportunity to quote the flaming lips. The sun doesn't go down. It's just an illusion created by the world spinning around. Right? So in the plot twist moments of life, the sun didn't go down. It's just things spinning along. It's just the next stage in the process, right? Everything's gone dark. Have you ever had that moment where you're in the dark? Oh, I'm in the dark about this. Do you know who's not in the dark? Jesus is not in the dark. He's in the darkness with you, but he's not in the dark about the situation, right? Um, right? So what happens though is God creates these big, dark, empty spaces that operate, I think they operate like a vacuum. 
and they allow the, that's what creates this wind of the presence. Here's an interesting moment where everything went dark and empty and shapeless, right? Jesus dies. Three days later, he rises again. Wow. And then he disappears to heaven. Like, now what? Right? The last instructions were just go into the whole world and preach the gospel, which will result in most of you being killed. He didn't say that, but they all knew that. Right? So there's this big, dark, empty space. What are they all doing? They're praying, and what happens? There's a sound of this rushing, mighty wind. In the Genesis 1, the Spirit of God is hovering over the water. The disciples are out on the lake, and the wind is against them. Right? And what does the wind do? The wind creates waves. I remember the first time I went surfing at Piha. Um... And when you're surfing, one of the hardest parts about surfing is paddling out, right? There's a couple of reasons why it's hard. One of the reasons it's hard is because your arms get tired, right? Uh, that makes it hard. The other reason that makes it hard is that the, the waves are coming in while you're paddling out. It's one of the unique challenges of surfing, right? And the interesting thing about waves is as you're paddling out, if they've already broken, right, if they broke ages ago or they're rolling along like that, it's actually quite easy to push a board underneath them and pop out the other side, right? If they're just about to break, it's actually pretty easy just to ride over the top and just whoosh. It's actually one of the best feelings ever is when you're going out and it's about to break, it's about to break, and you're paddling, 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 and you just get over as it starts to break and then you sort of bang down the other side. It's actually an awesome feeling. But there's this moment two seconds later, one second later, right, where you're, it's about the wave's about to break and you're paddling, 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 all oh, this could be bad, all oh, this could be bad, oh, I think I'm going to get over. And you go up the face of the wave and you keep going up. You're waiting for that moment so you can get whacked down the other side and then you can stand up at church and say, well, it looked like it was going to go really bad, but the Lord worked it out brilliantly. But instead, you've got the other testimony where it looked like it was going to go really bad and it went really bad, right? So you get up to the top and the wave, instead of you popping over the other side or instead of it already breaking, you can just go underneath it. What it does is it back slams you. Right, it's the technical term. Is that back slams you? The, the other term for it is you go over the falls. You're up and over the waterfall. And so I paddled out in Piha. It is about a two meter swell, and I was it was going great. Uh, and I was I'm sure I was going to make it over that wave. And I ended up spraining my ankle as I hit the sand. Right, so it was a really awesome moment. Right. Interesting plot twist on my surfing trip, right? And that was the only that was the only wave of the day, right? And the reality is that life does that, right? And what do we say when we get backslammed and things get smashed up and there's a big mess, right? What do we say? Oh, it's bad. Is it bad? Or is it just waves? Well, it's bad. Is it bad or is it just waves? Where do the waves come from? What creates this disruption? What creates this stir in the world? The wind does. What's the wind? It's the Holy Spirit moving. What's creating the current disruptions in the world? 
Oh, that's the devil. You're giving the devil way too much credit. Some of the disruptions in your life, some of the disruptions in my life, some of the big disruptions in the world right now is the move of God. You're looking, you're, you're wanting me to prove it. I can't prove it. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you stories from the Bible, right? When God moves, he create, God creates disruption. God turns things upside down. God brings the plot twist, right? And our challenge is not to think, oh, this is a bad thing that's happening or this is a good thing that's happening to me, but to think, what's Jesus doing in the middle of this situation? What's the wheat that God's growing in my life? What's the creative process of God that's happening in this space, right? Because this is the picture of life. God creates these big, dark, empty spaces to create movement so the Holy Spirit can move forward in our life. Who's excited now about the big, dark, empty spaces in your life? Right? Because that attracts the wind of the Spirit, right? It attracts God into that space, right? This is a quote from me now. If there's going to be something, if there's going to be something, it's going to be moving or it's going to be dead. It's not just a machine that's keeping on work. It's just not whirring away, right? It's moving and it's dynamic. We can see it from Genesis 1. We see it through all the miracles of Christ. We can read in the book of Revelation. There's this movement. There's mess and God moves in it and shapes things and brings things into reality. Uh, and that's the space that we're in. God fills empty spaces with life. Look at the world God creates. He separates the light from the dark and then he... He separates the sea, the waters from the waters. Then he separates the land from the sea. Then he fills the sky with life. Then he fills the water with life. And then he fills the land with life. What's he doing? He's filling it with life. What is that? Perfect order? There's a lot of order in life because you don't get life without order. But is there also quite a bit of chaos? Right? God fills the spaces with life, right? Okay, Jesus is not afraid of the dark and Jesus is not worried about you. This is Jesus talking about worry, right? So Peter says this, I'll exalt you in due time if you humble yourselves under his mighty hand. God will exalt you in due time if you humble yourselves under his mighty hand by casting all your cares on him. So Jesus doesn't worry about you. He cares for you. Isn't that a good thing? There's a huge difference between worry and care. You can worry about a thing and not care about it. Wow, how can you say that, Jordan? It's keeping me up all night. The things that keep you up all night are things you're worrying about. They're not things you care about. Oh, I really should have got insurance on the car. I really should have got insurance. The reason you're worried about the fact you haven't got insurance on the car is because you didn't care about it enough to get it organized. Can you hear the difference between care and worry? Oh, I'm really worried about my exam. It's because you didn't care enough about it to do enough study so that you wouldn't be worried. Do we worry about our kids? Yeah, we do. What we need to do is not worry about them. We need to start to care. What does care do? Care takes actions for prevention and protection. Care takes care of detail. Care kills dragons. Jesus is working on your behalf. He's not worried about how it might work out. There's a really big difference. Can you hear it? 
between worry and care. This is what Jesus said about, uh, this is Psalm, it's the, I guess it's Jesus as well, but he's, the Psalm says, throw your burden upon the Lord, He will sustain you. He'll never allow the godly to be shaken. Matthew 6, this is what Jesus says about, this is what Jesus says about money and about food and about clothing, right? So this is a whole lot more foundational and fundamental than um, other people's opinion of you, your status at work, uh, or you know whether you're, you know whether your girlfriend likes you or not, right? Jesus says, "Don't worry about tomorrow, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear." So Jesus actually says in the Bible, "Don't even worry whether you have any clothes to wear." Right? He's speaking to our deepest fear. Right? These are this is the stuff of nightmares. Right? <laughs> You know, you walk to school, you hang up, you back, ah! <laughs> right? It's the stuff of nightmares. And Jesus said, don't even worry. If that happens, don't even worry about that happening. I think you should care about making sure it doesn't happen, right? But don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. So it's not quite the same as don't care about tomorrow, right? But don't worry about it. Today has enough trouble of its own. Oh, what a... What, what's going to happen long-term with COVID? It'll all work out. I'm not telling you when. I'm telling you that it will, right? Do you know why this will all, the COVID thing will all work out? I'll tell you why, because there's other plot twists still to come, right? It will be true that some, you know, the reason COVID will all have to work out is because there's something worse to, still to come, right? <laughs> So we can be we can be sure of that, right? <laughs> right. So that, that's an important thing. We're gonna do. So should we worry about? No, because if how much worry about COVID would have helped us? Well, unless you're in charge of different things than what I'm in charge of, right? Everything that's happened around COVID is completely outside of my job description, right? Not my job to plan for a pandemic. Right? <laughs> it's other people's problem, right? Something I can't handle. And the, and the bad things, the difficult things, the challenges that are going to happen in 2022, I can guarantee you they'll be as bad or worse than all the challenges of 2021. And the challenges and, and challenges and plot twists of 2023 will be as bad or, who's feeling encouraged this morning? They'll be as bad or worse than 2019. Why? Because that's what life is. Life is an adventure story. It's a thriller movie. It's a filled with challenges and disasters, right? That's why life is. It's not a machine that just whirs along smoothly. It's a fill. It's a, it's, there's characters and there's things at work. There's principalities and powers. There's God at work. There's evil forces. There's neighbors and family members. All these characters in this movie create enough complexity that there's no point worrying about the future. You're just going to have to see what happens and deal with that as it comes, right? Um, Jesus will call you out and hold you up. So Jesus comes to the disciples. He, they, he comes to them. He's walking on the water. They're, they're worried, they're frightened, and Jesus is walking on the water because he's the Lord of the watery depths. He's still king in the dark, right? And they, they see Jesus in the middle of the chaos, and what do they do? They become more frightened. Except Peter says, if it's you, call me out. Because what was Peter doing? 
Peter was like, oh, this is a great opportunity for me to try something out. Or was he actually wanting an answer to the question, is this really you, God? If God's in the middle of all this challenge, what's he gonna do? He's gonna call you out. How do you know God's moving? Because it's a sense of call for you to push further into the risk space. That's how you know God's at work. Because God calls you out, right? Think about, think about Noah. The Lord asked Noah to build a giant boat. And then he sends all the animals to him, right? He floods the earth, and then he, but then he causes the water to recede. So God calls you out, right? So God, God floods the earth. That's one of the things God do, does is he floods the earth and destroys everything. It's not the devil that does that because the devil can't. If he could, he would have done that. He can't do that. The devil can only corrupt the world one person at a time as people agree with his plan, right? But God can destroy everything. But in the middle of that, he saves Noah and his family. Abraham, the Lord calls Noah out from his family, his culture, his tribe, and then chooses him to be the founder of the people of the world. So God calls people out, then he establishes them. God doesn't establish you, then call you out. God calls you out, then establishes the promise, right? Moses was placed as a baby into a basket and floated out onto a giant river, right? And then the Lord causes the basket to wash up the feet of the queen. Did Moses' mom have like some specific instructions from God about the nature of the currents and put the boat? No, she just had to, Right? Joshua left Egypt following that same boy from the basket, watched an entire generation of people die out, and then he meets the Lord outside the the walls of Jericho once he crosses into the promised land, right? That's where the the journey of Joshua isn't like, (laughs) there was no spanner in the works for Joshua. It It was just a shambles from start to finish. It's the Red Sea, right? And then Mount Horeb, and then the, all the play, you know, it just it's 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 chaos. The whole story for Joshua, right? But then he meets God. He meets God in person. If you read the story, God stands in front of him as a human, like as a in a body, and says, "I'll lead you." And then the inference through the whole book of Joshua is that God was there the whole time in that same body, leading the army, like, "Hey, this way," right? Rahab, I did mention there's lots of these people in the Bible, right? (laughs) She's got a house in the wall of Jericho, and she knows this army of Israel is approaching. What does she do? She's like, oh. (laughs) She takes this chance, makes this deal, and then the wall... (laughs) It's really weird. The walls fall down, but her family's saved, but her house is built into the walls. It's like this... The story there is like there's something going on so powerful. Rahab's on the edge of this this evil city. It's not like God didn't destroy that city just because it was like a pl- you know it was going to be a planning problem in terms of the future development. There was it was a punishment for the evil of that city, right? So think of all of the evil things that humans have done throughout history. They were all happening in that city. Right, so God destroys that city. She's on the edge of that, and God saves her. Why? Because she can recognize in the 
and the, she can recognize, man, this city's gonna be destroyed, but in the middle of destruction, she can find, what did she find? She could see Jesus walking on the water and she said, hey, if this is what God's doing, I'm gonna find some way to get out and connect with this new thing that God is doing, right? Uh, Ruth followed her widowed mother-in-law into a strange land. She's big, she, she, they were operating like as homeless people collecting food from the corners of the fields to survive, and then the Lord led her to a redeemer, right? Uh, uh, Gideon was instructed to shrink his army from 30,000 down to 300, and then the Lord causes enemies to fall before him. David was called forward and anointed as king, then was a hunted fugitive for a decade, dwelling in caves with distressed, dispossessed, and disturbed, um, right? And then he took the through, own, that should be thrown, Right? Uh, Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal and then he gets chased into the wilderness by the queen. He has a mental breakdown, is sustained by ravens who deliver him food and then he ultimately departs untouched death straight, straight into, the, into the throne room of God. He doesn't die, he just steps straight into a rulership position in the new world. Right? Uh, Daniel, uh, Esther, Jeremiah, etc. right? God calls us out but then he also holds us up. And so the challenge for us as Christians in 2022, which is where our heads are now, right? Right, as we finish out this year, as we move into the next year, is to recognize Jesus walking on the water, right? To stop complaining about the spanner in the works and to recognize Jesus walking on the water and hear His voice and step out into the space that God's called us to. If we, get, if we were to go back to Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth, and it's dark, it's formless, and it's empty. It's dark, formless, and empty. Then God separates things and creates spaces and fills spaces. And at the very end of Genesis chapter one, what does God do? God creates on the sixth day, He creates man in His likeness. Another, another way of thinking about that is God creates humans to be like Him. Right, And then he says, puts them in the garden and he says, um, you've got all the trees of the garden to eat from and the, the seeds of the earth, right? And so the, uh, you've got to tend and care for the garden, right? And that means to develop, protect and extend. So the picture is that God, on this mountain of God, God creates humans, puts them in this space of beauty and perfection and their job is to extend that out into the world. What, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to define spaces and fill them with life, right? Why? Because we're created to be like God. So what did Peter say? If that's really you, Jesus, call me out. Because I know if you're doing that, then I do. That's what I do as well. If Jesus is walking on the water, I walk on the water too. And that's what Peter did throughout his life, right? If Jesus is healing people, then I heal people. If Jesus is saving people, then I'm gonna reach out to see people saved as well. And as a Christian, your job isn't to get through this life and maybe one day get it to, into heaven. Your goal on earth is to reflect, to image God in the world defining spaces and filling them with life, identifying spaces and filling them with life. Is this the sky? Well, let's fill it with life. Is this the earth? Let's fill it with life. In the spaces that we're in, we're supposed to fill them with life as we step out uh, in God, right? Good? Amen. I think that's about enough. Who's, uh, yeah, some of you guys look like you've had enough. <laughs> so God's not afraid of the dark. He's not, Jesus is not worried about you. He's caring for you. 
He's not worried about you, right? And Jesus is calling you out into the same role He plays, right? As, a, 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 we, as Christians, we are supposed to be able to master the water. We're supposed to be able to walk on it. We're not supposed to be backslammed all the time, right? As Christians, we're not spinning around and around under the water, right? What our job is is to walk on the water, right? Which is easier said than done. I'm aware of that, right? But it's not us that does it. It's Christ working through us in the spaces that we're in. Amen? Amen. Awesome. We're going to pray in just a second. And the first thing I want to do is I want to, uh, musicians, why don't you come as well? Because we'll, we'll sing a song in a second too. But um, the first thing I want to do, and we do this all the time in church, uh, not all the time. At the end of most services, we... We pray a prayer where we dedicate our lives again to following Jesus, right? Nod your head if you've done that before, right? Uh, at the end of the service, we acknowledge our sin. We recognize Christ, our Redeemer, and then we choose to follow Jesus. And part of what I've been preaching about all morning, uh, not all morning for, the, for 30 minutes, is about what does it mean to follow Jesus when there's waves and wind, right? When it's dark. And when it, when it comes to following Jesus, it, it begins with acknowledging our own inability and our own separation from God, receiving His forgiveness and His grace that then enables us to live more and more like Him in the world. And so at church, we pray that prayer every Sunday. Uh, and I don't know everyone in the room. So I wanna invite you to, maybe you're here and you don't know God or you're far away from God, or perhaps you're here this morning, but you know that you're in a position where you need to rededicate your life, recommit your life to Jesus because you've been walking away from Him and you're, this morning you say, I wanna move close to you again, Jesus. So if you're in either of those two groups, I'd invite you to pray this prayer with us as we finish. So we'll all pray it together, but you can pray it especially for the first time. And I'm gonna ask everyone to close your eyes and bow their heads. And, and if you're here and you're wanting to make the decision to follow Jesus for the first time or as a recommitment, before we pray, I'd just love you to shoot your hand up in the air and say, yeah, I'm joining in with the prayer this morning. You know, we're all gonna pray it. But if you're saying, yeah, I'm specifically wanting to join in for the first time or as a recommitment, just shoot your hand up and give me a wave. If you're online, there'll be a way to connect and message and say, yeah, that was me. I made that decision. If, you, if you're watching on the video, there's other people in the room who will see your hand. But if you're here in the main building, just shoot your hand up and I'll see it. And when I see it, you can put it back down and then we're going to pray. Awesome. I haven't seen anybody's hand here, but we're going to pray the prayer because we pray this prayer every Sunday. So I'll pray a line and then you pray it and uh, that'll be good. Okay, here we go. Dear God, I thank you for loving me and for sending Jesus to die in my place. Ted, I acknowledge you, Jesus. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and I'm choosing today to follow you for all of my life. Amen. Amen. Awesome. If you were too scared to put your hand up, but if you prayed that prayer for the first time, that's the, when people talk about becoming a Christian, it's, it's, that's the decision part of it. And then the process part of it, we work out throughout our life where our behavior changes, our relationships might shift around, and we work out that process in church. So that's why we all come to church each week uh, to learn, to work together, to encourage each other as we follow Jesus, right? We all live different lives than each other, but we encourage each other together here one day of the week, which is what we're doing at church, right? Um, so why don't we stand to our feet? We're gonna sing that worship song. 
that's it. I don't know the names of any of the songs. Are you the same? I don't know what they're called. I just sing along. Uh, we sang the first one we sang this morning. But I, know, I just know for a fact, because I've been there for most of last year and some of this year, I know what it's like to be on the, in the boat in the waves. I said to my, my mum at one point, it's like you're navigating your life and you're standing there on the ship and you're looking through the telescope thing. And so you're just doing what you'd normally do and looking through the telescope, but the telescope has turned into a kaleidoscope, right? So what you would normally do to figure out what was going on, you can still do it, but it's not very helpful, right? And so what I've decided to do, probably at the end of last year, I said, I'm not looking at the kaleidoscope anymore. Oh, what about this? So what about that? What about this? So what about that? What about that? Let's just get, keep the boat moving forward. Right, And so often, because that's really what's happened is that the, the whole scene has shifted and we don't know, we actually don't know how we need to live now. There's actually a big challenge, right? How are we going to move? What does faith look like now? Maybe it's not that dramatic for you, but it, maybe it is for some others, right? Where we feel like, man, I don't know what's next or what's going on and, you know, in the business or in work or fa- even family disruption, all that sort of stuff has been created. So, If you're in that space, what I want you to do is just to lift your hands and focus your attention in on Christ as we worship. Right? I really believe that um, that that it's that our focusing on Christ there, 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 Jesus is walking on the water. Right? That's where Jesus is. The Spirit of God from Revelation Genesis one is hovering on the above the waves. So, Holy, why don't you lift your hands? I'm going to pray, and then the team are going to lead us in worship. Lord, we just, Lord, we choose to focus our attention on you. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room, the brothers and sisters watching online. Lord, as they reach out to you in this next couple of minutes as we sing, Lord, I pray, Jesus, that you'd become bigger and bigger in our perspective. Lord, that we'd see more clearly that as you walking on the water, it's you're in amongst the disruption. It's the wind of your Spirit that's even creating some of the waves in our life. Lord, I pray, Jesus, for each of us that we'd be able to be walk closer with you, walk nearer to you, Lord God, as we move from 2021 into 2022. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message recorded live at Equipus Church, Dunedin. We pray that it blessed you. For more information, please check out equipuschurch.com.